0: High five a couple of people. Tell them how amazing they are while you're celebrating. Give it up for the band. So cool. The band. Brilliant. Who said you could sit down? No, you can sit down. It's all right. It's okay. I just figure I got to stand. Well, you know, if you want to stand, you can. Hey, but greeting from the northernmost tribe. Uh, you know, you kind of just, it's so funny, I, I just, uh, this morning I went to West because, uh, Pastor Tim, I don't know if you're aware of this, but, uh, Pastor Tim running our West location, they started a new one out at Ipswich, and I put forward my name because it's actually Yamanto, but we didn't want to call it City Point Yamanto, so they called it City Point Ipswich. and I said, why don't we call it City Point West-West? And for some reason they laughed too and thought it was like, I thought it was a great idea anyway, um. So this morning, I had the opportunity to do their 8.30 service, then jumped in the car, raced out to Umanto and did that service, and then raced back and did their 10.30 service, which was also translated into Tamil, and, uh, and then made it back up here for lunch, uh, an afternoon appointment, and now I'm here. So God is good, so I could preach anything tonight, uh, you know, anything could happen, um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're just smashing it at North. We're just having such a great time and, and so cool. And you guys, uh, we got invited. Remember we got invited to the service? Do you remember that when Pastor Mark came? you remember that? We had like people with like cramping your style coming in. Thank you for opening your hearts to us and uh, making us feel like we're welcome because we're part of the family. And uh, next week, I've got your dresses from Alvento. I'm going to pop over to somebody's place and help myself to the fridge. Should be a whole lot of fun. Uh, But I promise, if you ever want to go further north for a visit, come on—we'll make sure we make you feel incredibly welcome at our location, like you do when we come here. Pastor Sam and Kay, legends. Can we give it up for these guys? Even though Pastor Carolina couldn't be bothered to come out tonight, uh, we still love her and uh, appreciate her. Only because I'm a little scared of it, to, to be honest, and. Uh, you know, just like, we, you know, I, I run my location with a knife. Is that right? No, I don't run my location, no. Jen does. Uh, if, if, uh, but we know Carolina runs this location, and Pastor Sam just does what he's told. And uh, we, we do whatever we like, hey, Pastor Sam. We just run it past our wives first, and then we do whatever we like. I want to speak to you tonight uh, and I want to base it out of a verse found in the book of Romans. Uh, I love the book of Romans. It's one of my favourite books of the Bible. It's an incredibly deep theological book. But it's actually fairly easy to understand on on a level as well. There's 16 chapters. As a young man, I memorized the entire book of Romans. Don't ask me now to quote it. Those days are long gone. Uh, But the one thing that I know about this, which is unique to any other book in the Bible, the entire Bible is hidden in the pages of the book of Romans. That's pretty clever. Pretty impressive. So if you have to have one book only, take the book of Romans. And in Romans chapter 12, Paul launches off into this statement and uses words that we don't really use these days. He says these words, Romans 12, verse 1, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. And that's like saying, I beg you, I implore you. It's kind of like, as a dad, what I say to my kids when I'm wanting them to clean up their rooms I beseech you, just clean your room. It means it's an extended reaching out, almost a begging posture, because it's such a big deal. So Paul goes on, and what's such a big deal? He then doesn't even launch into it. He says, by the mercies of God, I want to add even more adjectives to this thing so that you understand how big a deal this is. He said that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. And then he says this, which is your reasonable service. So he says, this is what I'm begging you to capture this moment, he said. That I want you to go crazy. I want you to present your whole entire life. I want you to step up. I want you to step out. I want you to be fully involved. I want you to lean in, give, serve, be committed, you know, be whatever's going on, sign me up type of person. And he goes, This is your reasonable service. And I remember reading that and going, You kidding? And then I had a look, and it means even more than this because I want to put this in context for you. Paul had spent 11 chapters clearly explaining to the church at Rome that Jesus is the sole basis of our salvation and that grace is the means by which we activate and live our Christian life. And, and what he does is it brings him to this point, this, this juxtaposition in his theology. And he said, when you understand that, he said, it leads you to this point that our most logical response is exactly what he says, our reasonable service. He said, that's what it's supposed to be like. It's not supposed to be such a big deal. It's what we're supposed to be known for. That's what he says. And when I looked up what our reasonable service kind of looks like, I found out it wasn't anything that I thought. In fact, the New King James and the King James Version are probably one of the very few translations that translate it reasonable service. It's translated worship. That's crazy, right? Because you, you thought this was worship, but it's not. That's the band. That's music. That's, that's no more worship than saying country and western is music. It's, you know, it's just, it's just, yeah uh, if I haven't offended you yet, it's okay. The night is young. I'll get to you. Just, but if you like country and western music, there's a, there's a place for you. Uh, we'll make room for you. Yeah, my wife does. And uh, But, you know, praise God. That's one. She's just feeling sorry for them. But the ESV says, translates, translate." Stop getting me off track. Our reasonable service in the ESV translates as spiritual worship. In the NIV, it says true and proper worship. In the Passion, it says genuine expression of worship. And in the Amplified, it says a rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. Stepping up and stepping out is our natural response to an encounter with Jesus Christ. It should be a natural part of a a believer's life, not something extraordinary to find yourself serving God. And that's how we honestly worship. See, I used to think a long time ago that we had to tick boxes in church, you know, and I'm I like I'm a tick box kind of guy. You know, if you've got a to-do list and you'd be able to tick the box and it's done and you move on. And uh, Jesus got the disciples together. He's about to be sucked up to heaven. And he says, I want you to go in all the world and preach the gospel, you know, to every creature. And everybody who believes in me, that they'll be saved and be fantastic. And then they're about to go, okay, then, all right. And then he goes, no, 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 don't go anywhere. He said, I want you to wait here in Jerusalem. Until the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you shall be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And I used to think that they had to kind of wait, sign up, and get their Holy Spirit badge. You know, and then once they got the Holy Spirit badge, it's like graduating from, you know, Holy Spirit College, and then they could go and witness. I don't think it means that at all anymore. I think what it meant is when they waited and they received the Holy Spirit, they could not but go preach Jesus. They were compelled to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The disciples later on said, whether it's right in the eyes of man or God or not, he said, I don't know and I don't mean to be offensive, but we can't help ourselves. Jesus came into our lives and transformed them and now we can't help but shout out the gospel of Jesus Christ. That encounter prompted a true act of worship, which is service, which is manifested not just in the church, because that's, that's where our theology gets a bit warped. Not just in the church, but as the church. Because you've got to understand, this is not the church. This is a service. You're the church. And whether you're in the service or out of it, you still should be in worship. still st- should be serving God. Pastor Mark made a statement a long time ago, and it went off in my spirit. He said these words. He said that greatness is on the other side of inconvenience. And I remember just going, man, that is so true. And I don't know about you, but I love the concept of serving. I like did you like the way I said that? I like the concept of it. In fact, I love it so much that I could watch people serve all day. You know, and I feel really gifted and encouraging people to serve. And then but oh, you want me to serve? Well, that's inconvenient. <laughs> And so, you know, for a lot of us, we're kind of like, I'm behind the, past, the vision of Pastor Sam. This is a great vision, Pastor Sam. Yes, we need to change the world. We need to get a prayer meeting. We should start a prayer meeting. Let's start a prayer meeting. And Pastor Sam said, would you come? Oh, oh well, you know, the Olympics are on. And then the other Olympics, you know, the games are on. It's, oh, well, It's inconvenient. But greatness is on the other side of inconvenience. And so today I want to speak on the subject of inconvenient opportunities. Inconvenient opportunities. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, Everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. There's a story in John where Jesus is having his last supper with the disciples. And it's a really incredibly poignant moment. And he is thinking about something that he could leave them in a leadership level that they're going to be able to carry in because these guys are going to be the, the establishment and the leaders of the church that is burnt. So, burnt, burnt, birth from that moment. And so it is a massive deal for him. And he's going, I need to give them such a phenomenal lesson. And so when he turns up, he... He takes off his robes, which designated him as the rabbi. And he laid them on his chair over here. And he went to the corner and he picked up an apron of a servant. Not just any servant, but it was the worst job you could possibly imagine. And this, it was in the corner because it hadn't been washed. It was probably a little bit smelly and sweaty. And he put it on. He could feel it squelching. Oh, it's warm and slippery. And then he grabs a bucket and he proceeds without saying anything to wash the disciples' feet. Now, I've seen this enacted in our day and age. If you've been around Christianity for a little while, maybe you've even been a victim, I mean, a participant in having your feet washed. And it's incredibly beautiful and symbolic because most people have already gone out and got a pedicure. And then the the person will come along and they'll... Drip a little bit of water and dab it and then move on nice wash your feet I'm such a servant that's not what Jesus did he got up to the first guy and remember they used open sandals and that guy as on his way in he wasn't aware that Jesus was going to do that so he didn't get his nails done or his feet done and he'd stepped in some dog things and it was a big dog I mean, it was a big dog and he felt like he had covered most of the dog thing. And it is in between his toes. And Jesus is there cleaning it out. And then he gets to Peter. And you know why Peter was, Lord, you're not going to wash me? It's not because he was like, that doesn't seem right. It's because Peter had an ingrown toenail. And there was something growing out the side of his foot. A little bit of toe jam that had been there. And it might have been like a boil. And as Jesus began to wash it, it burst and... And you're sitting there, if you're visualistic, that is so cool because I'm not. (laughs) And that's why I do it. But I want you to be disgusted because that's what it was like. It was not symbolic serving. It was real. It was dirty. It was not super, you know, aren't I a great leader? Watch me serve for five minutes. He actually cleaned their feet. And he goes on to say, He said, most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. He said, it's not about what you know. It's about what you do. Don't tell me how to serve. Don't, don't tell me the symbolism of it. He said, I want you to understand that in the kingdom of God, greatness is always on the other side of inconvenience. And you don't serve your way out of serving. That the longer you're in it, the longer you just locate yourself. Paul's transition. Do you remember Paul the Apostle? I love reading the letters that he wrote in the chronological order. So the first was the book of Galatians. And he launches out that I am a great apostle who had Jesus kind of come to him personally. And everybody else is. and then, oh foolish, you know, Galatians, remember who has bewitched you? And even if another apostle says something, I'm the apostle. And he starts off and he's like one of the apostles. By the time he goes through these letters, he goes from being one of the great apostles to being the chief of sinners, And he understood about grace. So don't tell me he didn't, he wasn't under the law and feeling sorry for himself, but he had the heart of a servant. And he understood that you don't serve your way out of serving, but he he knew in the midst of having this kind of a heart, he would connect with something so magnificent, but it was hidden in the mundane. So today, let me give you three points. What you think is the purpose is often not the purpose. Matthew, uh, Matthew, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, says these words, that a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. It's a really, really clever verse in the Hebrew. And Hebrew, you may not know, but they not only write it with all the letters and things like that, it's written in pictures. And it's a picture of a tapestry that you kind of design. And the master weaver will come through with like a gold thread, and he'll just start weaving it through the picture that's being created there. And when you step back then, the picture begins to take clarity and shape and has dimension and depth. And that's what God says. I get it. you got your great plan. I love your plan, Rick. And every single individual step of that, I will weave my will through those things if you allow me to. Because we think we know the purpose, but God has a deeper purpose. Many years ago, I had a phone call when I was working down at Brisbane, and I think it was mostly because at the time I was involved in business and in ministry, and a guy in our church rang us up and he said, hey, can we catch up, Rick? I just I need some help uh, with just getting some balance in my world. And I go, well, what do you mean? And, and he said, well, you know, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm doing stuff in the, in, and serving on Sunday and all this time at church. And I've got to balance my work and I've got a family and, and my wife. And I'm just trying to create a good balance here. And I said, OK, sure, we'll catch up. And I booked in it. and it was inconvenient, right? But I thought, no, no, that's great. And so, you know what I did? i got to confess this to you. I didn't confess it anywhere else, but I felt like, you know, you guys love me and you'll give me some grace. Uh, I printed off, Sam, uh, time management principles. I printed off ordering your day stuff. I had all these notes ready to go. And I'll never forget, I sat down at Rivers and I had all my notes and I started with my introduction speech. So good that we could come out today. I'm here to help you. Why don't you tell Dr. Rick what's going on? And so he began to share, and in my lightning-fast mind began to kick in within half an hour. <laughs> as he let me know, and I realized it was not about the purpose that he called me to do. He was about to get divorced. His wife had actually already left him, and they were separated at the time. And he thought if he could get balance in his life, it might attract his wife back and somehow save it. So what was inconvenient, a half hour, hour meeting with him, turned into a decision in that moment that took me weeks and months to walk through with that couple with. And it was inconvenient. But just a couple of weeks ago, remember we had the young adult conference? So I found myself down there and they tried to hide me out the back room but that didn't work because you can't keep a good bald man down. So I'm wandering around, getting into trouble. Guess who I ran into? That man serving in the house, married to the same wife, kids in the house. Woo! Because the purpose. See the purpose that I did. I pull those things out of my bag. I threw them out in the bin. I felt so ashamed. I said, "The purpose is not the purpose, Lord." We we gotta we gotta understand this. That sometimes you think you're all geared up for the purpose, and God goes, "No, no, no. There's so much more." Jesus knew why He came to Earth. He said these words. He said, "I only do what my Father told me to do. He had three and a half years' ministry. He was incredibly focused. Miracles would be happening, things would be going on. and he would say to the guys we 've got to go to the next town can 't camp out i 've got three and a half years." Let me set the scene. He's absolutely flogged. The security detail come, take him away. He's having a bubble bath and he's sitting in there just, you know, drinking his non-alcoholic Maison. And and then outside he could hear this woman nag, nag, nagging at the door. And he's like, what the heck is going on? And worse, he finds out it's not somebody he's called to do. It's not part of his purpose. Let me read the story to you found in Mark chapter 7. A woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. She came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a sorrow Phoenician by birth, and she kept asking him, which translates nagged him to death to cast the demon out of his daughter. And I kind of like this because when I read this in the Bible, I was like, What the heck? You ready? But Jesus said to her, Let the children be filled first. I know my purpose, for it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Do you know what he called this woman? If that happened in church today, it's not that you'd be offended. You would sue us. (laughs) You'd never go back to church again. I can't believe it. That She was like, I know my rights. How dare you speak to me that way? I can't, you know, nobody can do that. Do you know what this woman's response was? Yes, Lord. What the heck? And you know why? Because there's two things here. It wasn't about her being, you know, feeling good about herself. She was not there to serve herself, she was there to serve her daughter. And it compelled her to go beyond anything else. And I believe it was that fact alone that shifted the heart of Christ. And her response is, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table get to eat from the children's crumbs. From the, and, and Jesus is standing there, and I believe it was like His humanity and His divinity collided. And He's like, I know my purpose, but there's a greater purpose here. And he said, Woman, you got your miracle. You are crazy. You're like crazy, woman. God's ways are higher than our ways. And often the purpose is not the purpose. And when that phone rings, it's inconvenient. But you take that call, it could change somebody's life. After the service, somebody bows you up. Can we talk? Oh, sure. It's inconvenient. Helping that people, you know the worst thing when people help ask you to help them move. I'm busy. But you don't even know the date. No, I know I'm busy. (laughs) This is booked out forever. But you just don't know because you thought the purpose was to help them move. But in the process of it, you could change your life. (laughs) Point number two, interruptions are opportunities in disguise. Have you ever looked through the gospel and picked up how many times Jesus was on the way to? And there was an interruption and a miracle. And it was just like every, I mean, every single time it just, he's on the way, he's in the middle of this. And we, and we sometimes get so busy in our life, we forget to slow down and just go, hold on, that interruption could be an opportunity in disguise. And uh, Pastor Sam just spoke about this, that the disciples in the setting of feeding the 5,000, I've got this all figured out, Pastor Sam. They came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, you need to send the people away. They didn't care about the people. Guess who were hungry? The disciples were hungry. And do you know, when the Bible puts it in this picture, they paint it really, really clearly. The disciples were hungry. And so they said, hey, Jesus, you know, we just want to help you and just need to send these people away. We didn't get the food vans in in time. And uh, so they just need to go down to town. And by the way, when they go, <laughs> we're going to get... Because so, they were getting hangry. And then the Bible says there's 5,000 men there. 5,000 hungry men. If you don't know what hangry is, it's angry and hungry together. That's how man rolls. And it wasn't women because women are too nice to do that. Women are go, yes, I'm hungry, but I'll wait. Men are like, I'm going to eat something. And they're looking at the little children and just, you know. And there's a little boy there and he's thinking that. They're looking at me. And he's hearing, he's hearing the disciples talk about this. He's close enough and he goes, yeah, you're right. I am a bit hungry too. And he pops up in his lunchbox and he's going, well, i got some, you know, like a fish, I can make a fish sandwich. That's cool. And he's about to take a bite. And I believe the same thing. Something went off in his heart. And I love this. Listen, he was close enough to see the need. And he must have thought like you and I would this is not going to meet the need of 5,000. But I can also see the looks on the disciples' faces and Peter looks like he's going to eat me. And he goes, but maybe it'll feed two." And he goes, I know it's not much, but it's all I have. And Philip takes it. And let me tell you the story. In uh, John 6, 9, 11 to 12, he said, there's a lad here, said Philip, who has five barley loaves, two small fish, but what are they among so many? Jesus took the loaves When he'd given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, the disciples to those sitting down, the fish. So when they were filled, he said to the disciples, Gather up the fragments that nothing is lost. It was so inconvenient for the boy to hand over his lunch. He took a risk to serve in that moment. But Jesus made use of the mundane, something so simple as a boy's lunch, and the mundane became magnificent. And a miracle in the hands of Jesus Christ. And the disciples had no idea what was going on the whole time this was taking place. They had no idea the opportunity before them. And they even said, Well, we've got this, but what is this in the in the light of such a great need? They said it was like a tiny drop in the ocean. Mother Teresa wrote this. She said, prayer in action is love and love in action is service. Try to give unconditionally whatever a person needs in the moment. The point is to do something, however small, and show you care through your actions by giving your time. We're all God's children, so it's important to share His gifts. Don't worry about why the problems exist in the world. Just respond to people's needs. We feel what we're doing is just a drop in the ocean, but the ocean would be less Without that drop. And then the result of it a kid who gave his one lunchbox away goes home with 12 baskets filled with food because the Bible says that it's more blessed to give than receive. So, in other words, when you give out like that, you set yourself up for the blessing and the favor of God. When you're generous in your serving, even taking the tiny little bit that you have, you just give that and Jesus pours out the blessing. Point number three, as we wrap up, changing your plans could change your life. Changing your plans could change your life. And this is, this is a great story. Perhaps you've read the story in the Bible of the fall of Jericho. And uh, this is a city that Joshua was called in to attack. And the walls of the city were so big and thick that they used to have chariot races on top of it. I mean, this thing is huge. It was like a, an ancient wonder. And um, the story that we read about, uh, the taking of Jericho, actually started back a few chapters in chapter 2. Joshua sent two little known people called Dan and Jared um, into Jericho and so and Joshua went by another name his mother gave him a name Samuel and uh but you know for the sake of the story so Pastor Sam sent Jared and Dan into Jericho to spy out the land and they kind of hit the land and they're in the city and they're kind of looking a bit out of place and so they're kind of just trying to work out if there's a way and a strategy to take the city and they're counting the man one two three four Five, six, seven, eight. Okay. And then all of a sudden, uh, they're met by a woman. Because a woman's noticed that they look a bit different. You know, they come from out of town. They look kind of different. And, um, and so they kind of get together with this woman. And she goes, hey, come back to my place, guys. And they're like, okay, sure. Then they get back to the place and they text Pastor Sam. Pastor Sam, we're in the city. And they're like, fantastic. How's it going? Brilliant. Well, Where, where are you staying? At a brothel. Buster Sam texts back. Are you kidding me? What the heck? No, no, she's a really nice lady. What? Now, you read this story and it's, you know, nobody would make this up. This is in the Bible. And this lady takes him in. Now, what you don't understand is, let let me help you understand this. She's a lady who's working in a job. It's not a great job, but it's a job and there's no Centrelink. She sees these guys come in and she knows and picks up very quickly that they're Israelites. So she takes the biggest risk of her life and invites them back to her place. A couple of things just for those who want to know, she wasn't going to get paid. She wasn't going to get any more business that day. People saw her take them into her house and the authorities came by to follow the story up. At that point, she could have sent them away, given them over, but she hides them. If they had been found, she would have been put to death along with her family. She took an incredible risk hiding them. And in that moment, she began to change her life. But I love this story because God is incredible. You ready? In Joshua 6:17, it says, The city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, it and all who went in, only Rahab the harlot, or we'll just call her the business lady, she and all who are in her house because she hid the messages that we we sent. See, not only her got saved, but everybody in her sphere of influence that she got into that house got saved. And if that's not big enough, we read about Rahab in the New Testament in the book of James. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she received the messages and sent them out by another way? Consider this. Not only her life changed, not only his sphere of influence changed, but this lady called Rahab the harlot becomes part of the lineage of Jesus Christ Himself. Written into the annals of history forever because she was willing to change something. And it changed the destination. It changed the course of her legacy and her whole family line written into the line of Jesus Christ, I want to tell you tonight, it doesn't matter where you start. It just matters that you do start, that you look for that serve opportunity. It might be something so little, but but Pastor Sam, I can only give an hour in a, a whole week. I don't know what I can do. We'll find you something. We'll take that hour. Pastor Sam, I've I got like a five minute thing. I'll give you a person to call. Can you call somebody? Yeah, sure. I don't mind doing that. Great, then call them. Why don't, why don't you just have coffee with them? Oh, I don't like to have coffee with that person. Well, great. Have a soy latte. Do something. Go crazy and find it because the, 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 the realization is that that's what my worship looks like. That's how I worship God. That's, he he kind of goes, he, I, I like the music. It's great. But it, Jesus gets excited when we, when we worship like that in our everyday What you've got to realise is that you're strategically placed to make a difference. To influence for good and for God. See, you thought you were where you were just by accident or by your choices or your decisions that you made. How little do you know? Because a man's heart plans his way. But the Lord directs His step. And as you walk through life, you brush up against moments of destiny. And our job is to recognise those moments and make the most of them. As we close our eyes and bow our heads in this place. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, can we have a heart to serve? A reasonable service. It's our worship, what it looks like. Man, I I thought worship was like singing. Nah, worship is messy. It's cleaning up. It's serving in the kids' department, helping out with the youth doing some meals making some phone calls starting a life group however maybe it's just even leaning over the back fence and talking to that neighbour worship looks a lot like standing in the line at the groceries and feeling a compulsion to talk to that person in front of behind you worship is so very different when you encounter Jesus Christ And His Spirit begins to get on the inside of you. So Holy Spirit, would you get on the inside of us so that we are filled with power to witness, filled with power to worship, filled with power to serve, filled with power this year to step up and out into a hundred different ways and directions. Lord, I pray that you'd ignite something on the inside of us that we would be compelled to be involved In some way, shape or form, every single one of us would go, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. I can't do much. All I have is just some fish and bread, but but it's yours. I'll give it. All I have is these two hands. I'll give it. All I have is this five minutes. I'll give it. Whatever it is, I'll give it. I'll give it, Lord. I'll give it not holding back. I'll give what I have. It's my reasonable service because you changed my life, Jesus. And it compels me to it. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you came out tonight and I don't know where everybody is in their walk with God. But I want to give you an opportunity to connect with Jesus. I've got some incredibly good news for you. God is not angry at you. He loves you desperately. And maybe you've struggled in your walk with God because you've been connecting more on a religious level than on a relationship level. And and I can't spend a lot of time with you tonight, but I can do an introduction and introduce you to Jesus Christ. And the one thing I can promise you, that if you make a decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, Jesus will come and His Spirit will fill your life and He will help connect you to the Father. And for maybe the very first time in your life, though in your natural you may never have felt like you're enough, Suddenly, it won't be about whether you're enough. He'll be enough. And as His grace fills your life, so shall an assurance fill you. And you'll go, I am loved. I'm accepted. God has a plan. God has a purpose for my life. I don't want to be away from that. This should be the most exciting days of my life. And it starts with that decision tonight. So nobody else looking around. Just between you, me and God. I would love to pray with you right where you're sitting. If God has been speaking to you, you're making that decision for the first time. Maybe for the 10th time, maybe even more. I'm coming back to Jesus. Or for the very first time. I'd love you to lift your hand up. or see it. And you can put it down. I don't want to miss this opportunity tonight. God has been speaking to you and challenging you. And you're making that decision tonight. As I look across this auditorium right now, I don't want to miss you. Thank you, Jesus brilliant. We are God-loving. God bless you, darling, up the back there. So cool. I see that hand. That's great. That's great. Well, let me pray for you, hey. Father, I thank you, Lord. You see the hand that it went up tonight, but you also see the hearts that are beginning to open up and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you that Holy Spirit you just come and flood our lives anew and afresh. Give us a, a desire to be involved and serving and passionate for the kingdom of God to be about our Father's business as we honor you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus and everybody who believes it. Amen. Come on, let's give it up. Thank you.